0: I'm going to record this because I'm going to, we're actually going to put this, or depending on which one turns out better, the next sections lecture uh, in our feed. So if you want to review anything I say here, you'll actually be able to go back and find it in our podcast feed. As Steven said, I'm Chris Kreicho. I run the new Rust Station podcast, which is about learning the Rust programming language, which puts me squarely in the nerd category. Uh, I also have a podcast I do with my wife, every once in a very long while, called sap.py, in which we are sappy and romantic and also talk about learning programming languages, which puts both of us squarely in the nerdy category. And then I have, as Stephen mentioned, a quote-unquote microcast, which I talk about running, and I record that while I'm running. So we'll talk about how you can do a lot of different things here over the next half an hour to 45 minutes or so. Um, I want to start by talking a little bit about what podcasting actually is. It's the sort of thing that's kind of in the air. You probably have a vague idea of what it is, but it's helpful to think about what is and what isn't a podcast. Definition-wise, we're going to call a podcast audio distributed via the internet that isn't music. It's hard to come up with something much more precise than that because, well... There are a lot of things that go under the name podcast. It's really a medium. It's transmitting non-music audio via the internet. And it may even include music, but it's not just a song. We would call that internet radio or streaming audio, streaming music or something like that. Podcasts are speech transmitted via the internet. And that's to be distinguished from radio, which is transmitted via radio waves. And the line between these two can get a little blurry because... Well, you might have shows like, how many of you have heard of Freakonomics? Okay, one. NPR shows like Planet Money, This American Life. A lot of those get dual produced. They get played over the radio. They also get sent out as podcasts. So there's not a clear, sharp line here. But the main distinction is how it gets transmitted not what the content is because you can have things that are as those shows i just mentioned are both radio shows and podcasts there are some things that tend to be a little bit different when you're producing just a podcast versus a radio show and those things include the kinds of content you're likely to make the kind of editing work you're likely to do with it the way you get Sponsorship for it or advertising for it. And we'll talk a little bit about some of those things later. But the most important difference is always just how you publish it. If you're trying to publish a radio show, you have to have a radio station, even when you set up out of your house, which you can do, but it's complicated to publish it. To publish a podcast, you need a way to record audio and you need a way to put the audio on the internet and a way for people to download it. And as such, podcasting is much more versatile. It's much easier for anyone to jump into, and it is also much easier to widely distribute. A radio show has this problem we might call time boxing. There are only 24 hours in a day, and there are only so many frequencies on which you can transmit radio, and you have to have things like infrastructure to send radio signals out into the air so that people can listen to them. You don't have those problems with podcasting. If you have a WordPress blog, which you can set up for free, and a little bit of hosting space, which you can set up for cheap, you can make a podcast. So we're going to talk through how you make a podcast, as well as some of the considerations on content for what you should do in terms of what you put in a podcast. So one thing to keep in mind as you go. Because of those differences in medium, things that might work really well as radio shows may not work really well as podcasts and vice versa. Morning radio, as you're driving to work and talking chit-chat with callers in from the city, probably not going to work so well for a podcast. By dint of that very same factor of, hey, this isn't at a specific time slot, but you might be listening to it after your spouse and children go to bed at night... Podcasts just don't have that same right-now feel that a morning radio show does. At the same time, a long-form storytelling show, of which there are a fair number of podcasts, probably aren't going to work that well in your 9 a.m. radio slot, but they can show up wherever in a podcast feed. So there are lots of overlap. Again, Planet Money, Freakonomics, This American Life, things like that can work as both. But there are quite a few things genre-wise that don't work in either Or I should say that work in one or the other, but not both. To that end, let's think about some kinds of genres that do actually exist that I have heard in podcasting. You have, like I said, fiction. You can do long-form storytelling with audio that way. And you can do that in a number of ways. You can just tell a story. You can do highly produced, basically, audio plays that way. Uh, You can do nonfiction reporting. You can do that in a long-form way. How many of you have heard of Serial? Okay, a few more. That was pretty popular a couple years ago. Very much long-form narrative reporting in the form of a podcast. You can also do short-form reporting. NPR's Planet Money fits into that category. It's reporting on economic issues, 15- to 20-minute episodes. Not really connected to each other for the most part. You can do discussion. This is the show what Stephen and I do, and we're going to show you what recording an episode of that looks like after I finish this lecture. This is actually the most common form of podcast, and there's a reason for that. We'll talk about when we talk about content production. Discussion is far and away the easiest kind of podcast to do, it requires the least prep work, it's not super hard to edit. And you can do it pretty easily with existing technology. That combination means that most of the podcasts you will find that aren't produced at the level and with the kinds of budgets that NPR has or someone like that are discussion podcasts. In fact, it's a running joke among podcasters that the most common kind of podcast, especially historically, was two or three white guys talking about technology. It's kind of a self-selecting phenomenon, but it's a real thing. There are a lot of two or three white dudes talking about tech podcasts out there. As it turns out, that's kind of what ours is, though we do try to put a little bit of a spin on it. You can also do interview shows. And these range, again, from highly produced. There's one I listen to occasionally called Mars Hill Audio Journal. And even the name tells you the kind of pretensions to sophistication that that show has going for it. I also listen to one every once in a while called Code Newbie. And the styles of these two podcasts couldn't be more different. Marcel Audio Journal is, here's a structured interview with commentary inserted, and then back to the interview, and then commentary inserted. Code Newbie is, here are a bunch of questions about so-and-so who's a known name or an unknown name in the programming community. Let's just go and talk for an hour and a half. Very, very different kinds of shows. Both of those are interviews. You also have the kinds of shows that I was listening to on the way down here, where it's A short interview, not a lot of setup, and it's coming out of a church, but it's not your normal, quote-unquote, church podcast feed, which is just sermons. Lots of different things going on genre-wise. You can, last but not least, and these, again, are just the ones I've thought of, you may be able to think of more, you can do monologues. My new Rustation podcast about the Rust programming language is a monologue. I sit down in front of my computer, alone in my room when it's silent, usually when my children are sleeping because I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and if you've spent any time around four-year-olds and two-year-olds, you know, not so great for a recording environment. Really adorable, but not so great for a recording environment. And I talk to the computer for 20 minutes, and then I edit it afterwards. So that can feel a little weird, but those shows do exist. Uh, A lot of times those are discussing a very narrow topic, or they're trying to tell a story or something that way. And in all of these, then you get variation. Does the show have music? Does it not have music? What kind of music does it have? How does it use the music? Does it all run in one continuous segment? Or are there cuts between segments? All of the kinds of audio production techniques that you might find in radio, and frankly, quite a few more, exist within podcasting. So that's a high-level overview of the kinds of things you can do in podcasting. There are obviously a lot of genres that fit in this medium, and there are a lot of forms even of each of those broad genres. So how do you actually record a podcast? Let's say that after we talk through this today, after we talk through content, you wanted to go start your own podcast, or say you had to for a class assignment. How would you do it? Well, you're going to need three basic things. And those are recording software and a recording device. This one's probably more expensive than any of you want to invest in right off the bat. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then a place and a way to publish it. And we'll talk about the first two parts of that here, and then we'll come back around to publication later because that's its own kind of chunk and thing to talk about. Recording technology... Gladly, you can do almost all of this for free or very close to free and get pretty decent results, which is great when you're just starting out and trying to get a feel for whether this is something you want to continue to do. Software. You need a way to record the audio and to do whatever amount of editing you're going to do. We'll talk about editing in just a minute. The two very reasonable and totally free pieces of software you should know about are Audacity, which is a cross-platform. You can use it on Windows, Mac, Linux, whatever you like. It's totally free. You just go to their website, download it, and you can record into it. You can do basic editing in it. It's not amazing, but it is free, and free is huge. The other is if you have a Mac, you have a license to GarageBand, and GarageBand is actually a pretty capable, not just music, but podcast production tool. The first year or so that we ran Winning Slowly, I did all of our editing in GarageBand. And while I have since upgraded, GarageBand is pretty good, and it's free. So free is good. When you move into the paid category, you have a lot of options. The one I tend to point people to most on a PC or laptop situation PC or laptop, PCs are laptops and vice versa. If you're dealing with a laptop or a desktop computer, you should look at Hindenburg Journalist. And if you decide to get into this, that's where I would actually point you, unless you also do music production. It's a very good, very capable tool. It's $100. It's actually a little under $100. It's 95 You can upgrade to their Journalist Pro software if you get really serious, and that's a little under $400. But it's very streamlined, very much tailored for exactly the kind of work you're doing in producing spoken audio no frills, no production for MIDI synth work, et cetera, like you would have in Logic or any of these others. It just gets out of your way, and it's really good. I have used their demo for 30 days, and if I hadn't already spent $200 on Logic, I probably would have gone ahead and bought it because it was great. And in many ways, the editing experience is actually better for this kind of work than Logic is. Speaking of Logic, Apple's pro audio editing software, which you can use for music production as well, it's called Logic Pro. It's two hundred dollars. It's very, very good. It's very, very capable. It's it's sort of right in the middle of a whole bunch of tools in that category. Biggest upside there, it's a one-off purchase. So is Hindenburg Journalist and Hindenburg Journalist Pro. Downsides to some of these others I'm going to mention is that they're not one-off purchases. Uh, Avid Pro Tools runs you twenty-five dollars a month. It's cross-platform, unlike Logic, which is Mac only. Hindenburg. As I mentioned, is cross-platform. You can use it anywhere. Audition, if you have Creative Cloud or you have access to Adobe Creative Cloud as a student, you get that as part of it. Adobe Audition is very good, very solid. It is $20 a month as a student if you don't have a license to it in some other way. One upside with those one-off licensing moves, though, I should say with those subscription licenses, is if you only need it for one month or if you only podcast a couple times a year or something like that, you can buy a license for $20 for a month and then drop it and be done after that. So there is an upside to that. Last but not least, this is a fairly new development, but there's an app called Ferrite, which runs on iOS devices. And you can do podcast editing... On an iPad or an iPhone. And it doesn't even have to be a particularly new iPad or iPhone to do it and do it pretty well. And that is a grand total of $20. You can actually use it for free. It right, has a couple in app purchases to unlock additional functionality. That's actually a great, great option. Because if you have an iOS device, you also have most likely iPhone earpods. And those have a built-in microphone, which the new ones also the, the new phones still ship with earpods that have built-in microphones, so and adapters. Steven's making reference for those of you who don't know to the fact that the new iPhones don't have a headphone port, but they still ship with headphones that include a microphone. So that's the other thing you're going to need on top of a of software to record things with, you need microphones. And as I gestured earlier, you can do what I've done and invest in a pretty good microphone. This is a $250 microphone, roughly. It has great sound. It's really, really nice to talk into. It's also $250. And I don't recommend that anyone who's just starting podcasting spend $250 on a microphone. If you've been doing it for two and a half years and it's kind of your thing, which it is for me, sure. But to start off with, A lot of very inexpensive microphones are good bets. Uh, Anything that comes with a phone, whether that's an iPhone or something else, if it has a built-in mic, it's going to be decent because it has to be good enough for you to have a conversation on the phone with and for the person on the other end to understand you. As I said, the iPhone supplied ear pods are one of the best actually uh at that price range 20 bucks you get a pretty decent microphone and my running microcast I actually just record all of those by running and holding the microphone up by my lips so that it's not just a ton of air noise and just talking into it and you actually get pretty good sound that way um one thing you should not do is use your laptop's built-in microphone because it sounds terrible, no matter what laptop you have. The, the best ones I've bumped into, Macs tend to do pretty well. Some high-end Dells will do decently. But when I say decently, I mean, it doesn't sound like you're screeching into it all the time. You don't want that. It sounds terrible. If you put that out, no one will listen to your podcast, I promise. If they do, it's because they're your family and they love you. Um, That's pretty much it. So don't use your laptop microphone. Get as inexpensive a microphone as you like, but not that. Outside of that, there are a couple things to be aware of. There are two different ways you can run audio into your computer. One of them is via an XLR microphone, which is what these are. Cable ends on these tend to look like this. So these are going to be very similar to the audio lines you see attached to any sort of musical instrument, etc. Those tend to give you; those tend to go with higher quality mics, but you also have to spend twenty to thirty dollars on a cable, etc. Most people starting out, if you're not using something like the AirPods, the iPhone EarPods. You should get a USB microphone, but you should be aware that there are different kinds of microphones, and the kind you get will make a very large difference in the quality of your sound. Uh, I will recommend, and Stephen will let you know what this will write this up, and you can check it out. There's a microphone that sometimes runs as low as $40, sometimes is as much as $80, which in the world of microphones is not much, put out by Audio-Technica, which gives almost as good of sound as this does, as long as you hold it up close to your mouth when you're talking. That's a pretty big deal, uh, especially if you can get it on one of those sales where it's 40 or $50. So you want to look into that one. If you do get into it, looking into something like this Shure, uh, which this is a Beta 87A. It's a $225, $250 mic, depending on if you get it in sale. You're going to get better audio quality out of it. But not that much better. The main thing is to do your research and find a mic that, if you're getting a USB mic, does well. And in particular, that blocks background noise. So if we're all quiet for a second, you guys can hear. There's a lot of low-level hum. There's low-level kind of whine in the room from electronics if the air is blowing depending on the kind of mic you have it either will block out a lot of that and pick up only the sound of your voice or it will pick up a lot of that and you'll have a lot of hiss and hum on your recording and that's just distracting it's also very much harder to edit out so that's really all you need to know development wise for your tech stack now there's plenty of other things you might need to know in terms of Uh, how you edit, and so on. But at the most basic level, that gets you everything you need. You record it, you get a microphone, you run it into Audacity, and you do whatever editing you need to, as we'll talk about in a minute. It is actually really not that complicated. And one of the reasons that podcasting is growing is because you could literally go home today, download Audacity, plug in your ear pods, and record a podcast, and it would sound decent. And as we'll talk about in distribution in a minute, it's also not hard to publish. So let's say you, yes. I was wondering if you can go to a library website, they have audio software that you can borrow, and you can like, see what you recommend. Yeah, by all means. Um, I'll pull it up. Steven will pull it up, and I will point That's the question for people listening to this recording after the fact is. NC State's library has audio software, Uh, Mm -hmm. has software available, so we're going to look. And this is a great thing to check if you are a student. um, So this list includes, in NC State's case, Ableton, Audition, Audacity, GarageBand, FL Studio, Pro Tools, Reaper, and iLife. Reaper, I forgot to mention, is also on there uh, as a good well-recommended one. Of these, if you've got a Mac, I would probably get GarageBand or Pro Tools. Um, Reaper is also a good one. Since you have all of these, uh, if you get into it, play with a couple of them, see which one fits you well. There are some that some of my friends who record podcasts love that I hate and vice versa. Uh, Of these on pc i think ableton runs there i know audition and audacity do and i know reaper does and i know pro tools do really i alluded to this a second ago with my answer any of those not iLife, uh, and i can't speak to fl studio steven says that's music so you probably don't want that any of those are going to do well enough for this Uh, it's going to be a matter of really what you like and what works well for you and what extra bells and whistles they do or don't have. Many of those are very much oriented at music production. Uh, Reaper is sort of the lightest of those that's a little better than Audacity. Uh, And so that's probably where I'd point you if you're frustrated with some of the limitations of Audacity and you're on Windows Audition and Pro Tools are both very, very capable tools. And along with Logic, they're some of the industry standards for producing some of these things. So if you want to go that way, definitely check those out as well. Is that helpful? Yes. If you scroll down, there's also, like, tech you can check out. I was wondering, um, yeah, that stuff. Mm. What would you recommend we check out? Yes. So here... This list includes microphones, speakers, et cetera. In this case, you're going to want to check out this SM57 dynamic microphone, which is very similar to the Beta 58A that Stephen's actually going to be recording his part with when we start recording later. You're going to want to check out an XLR cable, and somewhere in here there should be. The interfaces are in the rooms. The interfaces are in the rooms. you'll connect to an interface like this one in the room and record onto the software from there. Good questions. Any others on that part before we move forward? Okay. So you're going to be for class producing one of these. And in general, if you were thinking about how to do this, part of journalism, part of just personal interest, as it is for me, whatever else, how do you figure out what you want to say on a podcast? Some of these are really just like writing anything else, uh, and that's not a cop-out. When you're writing a blog, when you're trying to find a voice in any area, you want to pick something you care about, and you want to give it a distinctive angle. You can show up and talk about programming in general, but that's extremely broad, and it's very difficult to find an audience because there are a ton of programming podcasts out there. You can pick cooking in general. But again, that's going to be hard because there are a ton of cooking blogs and things like that out there. Your better bet is going to be to find an angle. So... With my Rust programming language podcast, it's not, it's not even as generic as, let's just talk about this programming language. It's specifically the angle of, let's learn this programming language. And so I'm actually doing a teaching podcast. I sit down and prepare careful notes on a topic within the programming language and teach it almost like I were giving a lecture in a class, although trying to keep it relatively interesting. Hopefully I'm not being terribly uninteresting now. But the idea is give it an angle that gives it some hook and some interest that differentiates it. Because one of the factors with any kind of publication on the internet is enormous choice. There's always another podcast someone can go listen to. There's always another blog someone can go read. Find something that makes yours distinctive. So in the case of Winning Slowly, Stephen and I are doing the two white guys talking about tech thing for the most part but we've tried to bring an angle to it that a lot of people don't we're trying to take a long view on how technology intersects with other parts of culture ethics religion art and that combination of ways it intersects with culture and trying to take a long-term view rather than just I'm so bored because the new iPhone looks like the old iPhone which is an actual thing I've seen going around a fair bit in the last couple of weeks trying to take a long-term angle gives us a different audience. Mind, we still have a very small audience, but it's extremely loyal and very engaged. So there are trade-offs you make there. The more niche you are, the more focused you are. Yeah, you may exclude some of your audience, but you're also likelier to get higher engagement. So think about that as you're picking topic, as you're picking even form and and structure to it. The other thing that happens For all of us is, if you think well about what you want to do in a podcast, you're going to bring your way of looking at the world to it, and that's valuable. So Stephen and I aren't often explicit about this in winning slowly, but we're two Christians, and that shapes the way we think about technology. It shapes the way we think about ethics and religion and art, and so many episodes. That's just implicit. But it's a huge driving part of why we want to take this kind of long-term view of how these things shape us, how we shape them, how that affects us as a community. That comes through, and that's a huge part of what gives the show interest, even though most episodes we don't mention that explicitly because it's not directly on point. It comes up when it comes up, and we're not at all afraid to bring it up and make it part of the show But mostly it's that who we are shapes the content and you want that. Your distinctive voice as a person who thinks things about the world, whatever they may be, is important to make your content interesting to people. Related to that, you want to think about the style and the feel of your show. You want to... Be willing to practice and to throw things out. Now, you probably don't have time to do that for a podcast assignment in this class. But if you start a podcast, seriously, don't be afraid to throw things away. I recorded the opening introductory episode of my Rust programming podcast twice. I threw the first one away entirely because I just didn't like it. I listened to it a couple times and I said, nope, this doesn't do what I want it to do as an intro. And I threw it out. Likewise, Stephen and I took an entire season that we called Season Zero... And said, this show is in beta. We're figuring this out. If you look at winningslowly.org and you go back to season zero, it goes episodes one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine. Because we got through episode eight and thought about it afterwards and we said, that was terrible. We were trying to tackle a subject that was way beyond what we could effectively do. We fumbled it all over the place. We said things ways we didn't like, et cetera, and we just said, nope. Maybe we'll talk, tackle that topic again in five years. But we just threw it out, joked about it at the beginning of the next episode. And there's a gap in winning slowly's history there. And that is not the only time we've had that happen. We also had an episode last year that we recorded something. And we were like, we don't like this. And it was actually a sort of current events issue. And afterwards, we thought, why don't we just email the people involved with this? And we did, and the guy appeared on the show, and it was one of the very best episodes we've ever had. And that only happened because we were willing to look at an episode that we'd already sunk a lot of time into and say, this isn't good, and throw it away. And we got a great episode out of it. So be willing to learn, take the time to figure out how do you want the show to feel. Do you want this to be us just chatting if you're in a dialogue? Do you want it to be us instructing people? That's how my... Programming podcast is? Do you want it to be, and this is what Winning Slowly is it's us having a conversation, but it's us having a conversation that's kind of turned toward a listening audience. So the way we'll record it in here is actually very much the feel we go for on every show. We're talking to an audience as we talk with each other. And that came out of our ideas for why do we want to do this? And it's because. Stephen and I would sit around and have long conversations about ethics and technology and religion and art. And we would find people in the room listening to us. And we were like, why, why are people listening to us? But people found it interesting. So finally we said, we should just start recording some of these. And we, we went for that same dynamic. Now, yours is going to be different. But think about that dynamic and you'll have a much better show for it. You also should ask, what what kind of thing should this be? You might have an idea and think, this would be a great podcast. And the answer might be, actually, no, this would be a better series of connected blog posts. Or it might be, this should be documentary shot with video. Let me figure out how to do that medium. Don't assume that all content is equally appropriate to all genres or to all forms within the genre. You might want to make a documentary in audio form. I heard a really interesting one of these about a year ago in which a podcaster went through and talked to developers in the Apple and Google App Store ecosystems and said, what is the process of developing an app like? What are the strengths of these different stores? What are their weaknesses? What are the costs of the policies or lack thereof that these different stores have put in place? And he used that as a way to tell a story about what it's like to build an app In 2015, but he also did that as a way of offering comment on these two different ecosystems and how there might be strengths and weaknesses to each. Think about what kind of distribution channel does that best. In his case, that was a really effective way to do it because he could talk to a bunch of independent app developers and hearing their voices as they talk about the products they make added a lot of interest that even including quotes from somebody in a series of posts on a blog or something, it just couldn't have done. But he could record it wherever they were and get decent audio from them without having to fly someplace with a camera and interview them. So think, here as everywhere, about what kind of content works well and how to structure it within the form of your specific genre. Two more things to cover and then we'll be done. One of these is production. We talked about recording audio. What do you do once you have it? You should edit it. And trust me, having listened to a lot of podcasts that aren't edited... Please believe me when I say you should edit it because unedited podcasts sound, um, well, um, I don't know, kind of, kind of like, like that. And you don't want your podcast to sound like that. You don't want a ton of ums and likes and wells and you knows and does and clicks as someone starts talking. If you can get some of those things out and just make a smoother listening experience for your audience while keeping the natural conversation flow, do it. Now, different shows will have different dynamics on that. One that's more purely conversational. You're going to want to leave more of that in, but one, if you're going for a really tightly edited story like NPR does, where you're taking a long interview and cutting it down to very specific clips, do your best always to leave those clips representative of what the person actually said, but also do your best to make the person sound good. That's, that shows them a lot of respect as an individual. And you can do that simply by finding spots where they paused and said um four times and cut it out. I do that with Steven all the time. Don't tell him I said so. I also say um a fair bit. And when Steven edits, he cuts those out for me. It's a thing we do. But if you can cut those out, it makes for a nicer, better listening experience. And the more experience you get editing, the more little tweaks you can find like that. When one of us makes a joke and the other person starts laughing... I'll actually pull the other person's continuation of whatever they were saying in under the laughter. Because it turns out that listening to someone laugh for five seconds is not very interesting audio-wise. Hearing someone laugh for a second or two and then hearing their laughter under someone continuing to talk and picking up after the joke works a lot better. Finding those kinds of things. Eliminating crosstalk. So sometimes... We talk over each other, and I'll just split that apart as best as I can. Things that make it easier for an audience to listen to. Sometimes I pull things closer together because there are dynamics when you record on opposite sides of the internet that you just have to wait longer to see if the other person is actually done talking. A quick note about recording. If you're recording an interview and you can have both people record their end of the conversation rather than trying to record the Skype call, that's a good plan because you'll get much cleaner audio out of it. But if you can't, you can actually record Skype calls and split the channels apart. If you're interested in doing that kind of thing, talk to us and we'll tell you about it. That's pretty low-level detail. But doing that has saved our bacon Quite a few times because we've had audio loss on his end or on the interviewee's end when we've done interviews or things like that. That's a very useful tool. So cut out as much as you can that's not useful. Layer in audio if you can do so. If you can get free music that's freely available under, say, a Creative Commons license. Or if you can get permission. But always, always, always get permission the only sort of exception to needing to get permission is if you are doing something that's editorializing on a specific thing, and then you can use limited amounts of it to make a point via fair use. But that's complicated, and I am not a lawyer, and I did not just give you legal advice. So be careful if you're doing anything like that. You can, but be careful. In general, just try to get permission. And most artists are usually, especially indie artists, are happy to give you permission and say, yeah, just give us credit for it or whatever else. Finally, publishing. Okay, you've done all this work. You've thought about your content. You've put it together in important ways before I get to publishing. There's one other important thing we need to talk about in putting your show's style together that I forgot, and that is how prepared are you? For my programming podcast, I script the show's top-to-bottom word-for-word, and I might add a little variation in there, but that means I'm usually writing between 2,000 and 3,000 words of content that I've prepared. I try to get the voice right. I try to get everything right in that so that when I record it, I can just basically read it, read it conversationally because it's written conversationally, but that way I actually say everything I want to and I don't forget anything and I don't misspeak because I'm doing hard technical content. Getting that right is important. Steven and I don't do that when we're recording Winning Slowly because that would be crazy. Uh, You actually can do that kind of thing, but it's very, very difficult. Instead, we have a pretty good outline of the topic we want to cover, how we want to cover it, takeaways we want to do, and the broad arc of the episode. We'll have a structure that we want to follow. You might, in the case of something like my Run With Me microcast, which I call a microcast because every episode is less than five minutes long and it's recorded while I'm running, I just know roughly what I want to talk about. I might want to talk about food or I might want to talk about building up mileage or something like that. I have a rough idea, but I promise you I'm not holding a script in front of me while I'm running and recording a podcast. That would be even more ridiculous than what I'm already doing there. So think through that as part of your podcast production approach. I recommend at least an outline because if you don't, you're going to be in a mess. And even in a conversational podcast, you want at least an outline and stick to it to some degree, because otherwise you end up with a really rambly, kind of nonsensical podcast that isn't that interesting to listen to. Finally, podcast publishing. The easiest way to publish a podcast is with WordPress. WordPress, you can get free. You integrate the PodPress or a few other similar plugins, and then you take the link they give you and you put it in podcast feeds like iTunes. You can go to iTunes Connect, and at that point, you put in the link that these plugins give you, which is an RSS feed for those of you who are interested in the technical details. That's just an XML file that includes when something was published, the data that is supposed to be published with it which includes things like text we put together show notes with links to things we talked about etc and it includes a link to the audio file and then podcast players whether that's iTunes or uh, the overcast app that I use or any other goes out and grabs that RSS feed and away you go it's very simple and straightforward. To submit to iTunes, which is the largest podcast directory out there. And it's the main one that I recommend people submit to. There are also a few others, which you've probably heard of. Google Play has a podcast directory. You may have heard of Stitcher. You've almost certainly heard of Spotify, which has podcasts now. Those last three I don't recommend because they reserve the right to rehost your audio, to recompress your audio. And Importantly to us, to serve ads around your audio. They can't insert, but they can play it before your audio. They can play it in between your podcast and the next podcast they serve you. They might be advertising things that you hate, for one. For another, you're not getting any of the money. So basically, you're just giving away the right to do whatever those people want with your content with no benefit to you other than quote-unquote audience. Now, you may land in a different spot on that, on those trade-offs, and it's just worth noting that there are trade-offs there. I mean, we run an ethics podcast. Right. So. We're, we're, <laughs> Stephen comments, we run an ethics podcast. So we're, we're particular about these things. But it's just worth having those trade-offs in mind. It may well be worth submitting to if you are running a podcast. You may find those trade-offs worth it. We don't, but we also don't have any problem with people who do. That's just where we land. If you want to do it apart from WordPress hosting, you can also look into Libsyn, which is the largest podcast hosting out there, or SoundCloud, which is growing very quickly. And SoundCloud's a little more expensive, but it does a lot for you. Both of those give you stats. If you're not using those, there are a couple tools out there like Blueberry, which I pronounce that way because there are no vowels in the last half of it, and PodTrack, which is what we use. You just hook these in with your RSS feeds and they give you stats on downloads you get. That's important if you want advertising. I don't have time to talk about advertising. We don't do any advertising on our shows, but that's the most common way to fund and support your shows. So if you're interested, that's something to check out. That's all I've got. Are there any questions before we close it out? Cool. Cool. Thanks, guys. Hopefully that is informative. Yeah, thank you. So as Chris mentioned, we will put up uh, some... some